This Podcast Movement 2022 audio session is brought to you by Supporting Cast, the best way to sell and deliver exclusive podcasts. And special thanks to PM22 Virtual Ticket Presenting Sponsor, Amazon Music. Hey, what's up, everybody? There's a lot of people here, and I know they said it before the last one, but it's it's after lunch. This is the last session of the day. Everybody got some energy still? Are you all excited to hear more about microphones like I am? Yeah, audio people, we're here. We came to learn about microphones. Uh, understanding microphones for better field audio is what you're going to hear. But I've almost forgot to introduce myself again. I'm Dan Hughley. I'm the marketing manager in the U.S. for Focusrite. Uh, we make audio interfaces for recording any type of audio. We have a new product called Vocaster. It's made specifically for podcasters. And you have to go check it out. It's down at our booth. It has a lot of really cool features. Uh, I, there are a lot of these cards out there. Um, if you see those on the seats around you, there's some over by the door. You can enter to win one. So if you want to win one, uh, it's a $300 value. You can do that. Um, if you want to buy one, we're given a 10% show discount. So two different QR codes, two different things. Um, but you're not here to hear about me. You're here to learn more about understanding microphones for better field audio. And let me introduce to you Mr. Patrick McDemie King. And he's going to enlighten us all about microphones. Thank you, Patrick. Awesome, thank you. Cool, so welcome everyone. Uh, my name is Patrick McNamee King. I manage recording operations for StoryCorps out of Brooklyn, New York. Uh, I also write and produce the Empty Clouds podcast. Um, and today what we're gonna get into is uh, microphones for, understanding microphones for better field audio. And this kind of grew out of uh, some of the training I do at StoryCorps, wanting to get deeper into the weeds about how microphones work, what they do, um, and all that. So without further ado, uh, we're going to talk about why bother understanding mics, how does a microphone work, how do we categorize them, um, polar patterns, when to use which, and then we'll get into some tips and tricks. Uh, anybody ever seen this? Yeah, right. It's uh, some some uh, page from a zine and from the 70s, and not super related to mics. But what I love about this is it's like here's three chords, go start a band, um, and that's one of the things that I really love about audio. It's super DIY, or it can be, and content is the boss. Um, so all this to say, we're going to get into some mics. This stuff can get really expensive really fast. Uh, just Please always keep in mind you can make really impactful and important content, super DIY as well. All right, so audio is DIY. Why bother getting into the mics? Uh, in 2018, there was a USC study uh, that found that higher quality audio meant a more believable source. Uh, what they did is they recorded some science lectures with a bunch of different audio equipment and microphones and then played it back for uh, an audience, um, the test audience, and the result was that the higher quality audio, the more um, authoritative the source sounded. And also, if you know the tools you're working with, you can have some really cool options for artistic choice. Uh, and if you know how to use the tools you're working with, you can save yourself a lot of time cleaning up after the fact. All right, so basics of microphones. So I'm talking, the sound waves travel through the air, and a microphone picks up that mechanical energy of the waves and turns into electrical energy, and that is the audio signal that you are hearing through the speakers. Uh, 
the sound waves hit an element in the microphone called a diaphragm, and there's different ways that these work, different types of diaphragms, but essentially what that does is that's what translates the mechanical energy into electrical energy, an audio signal. So when we categorize mics, there's a couple, the most basic way we can look at this, the most easiest, uh, the two categories that first come to mind, you've got condenser mics and dynamic mics. Uh, condenser mics are rarely called capacitor mics, but if you hear that, that's what someone's talking about. And these use additional electricity, which is referred to as phantom power. Um, most often, but not always, it's plus 48 volts. Sometimes you'll see 24 or 12, but by and large, you'll see on your recorder, on your mixer, a button that you press that says plus 48 or phantom. That's what you press to power your condenser mic. Yeah, and then the power comes through an XLR cable or sometimes from a little battery container within the mic itself. Uh, we don't have to get too deep into the weeds here, uh, but all this diagram shows you is that there is a battery or a power source that powers um, the, the diaphragm, and when the sound waves hit that, it impacts how much electricity from the battery is getting uh, passed through, and that hits the amplifier, and that comes out as current and as audio signal. So the other main category are dynamic mics. No extra electricity required here. There's a coil and a magnet not too dissimilar from what you'd see on a lot of guitar pickups. And when the coil vibrates with the sound waves, that generates the current. All right, so when might you want to use, or the pros of a condenser mic? There's higher output gain. That's a louder signal that's coming out of, out of the end of the mic. Uh, and that means that you can have a more sensitive, higher detailed, and more nuanced sound. The cons of condenser mics, battery drain off of your recorder. If you try to imagine you're out in the field doing eight hours of taping, uh, if you are powering a condenser mic from your recorder, that's definitely gonna drain your batteries. Also, sometimes a con can be more sensitive, higher detailed, and more nuanced sound. Think about if you're in a noisy environment, you're gonna be picking up more noise from the environment. All right, the pros of dynamic mics. Uh, we just talked about this, so they are less sensitive. Um, so if you are walking out and about at the podcast movement lobby, you probably wanna be talking to people on a dynamic mic. Also, no battery drain there. All right, cons of dynamic mics. Uh, less detailed or nuanced sound and a lower output volume. So when would you use a dynamic mic? We kind of went over this um, in noisy and uncontrolled environments. And when to use a condenser? When the recorder has crappy preamps, preamps I would use a battery-powered mic. I'm not gonna name any names, but there's a very beloved first recorder that many people use that has really terrible preamps and a really low recording volume, and when you crank the level after the fact, you get tons of hiss from the preamps, and the way around that, I found, was to use a, uh, a battery-powered mic. Also, you'd want, you'd want to use a condenser in quieter and more controlled environments, your studio, your uh, closet with all your coats around it, whatever. 
and also when condensers present better polarity options, and we're gonna get into that in just a sec. All right, polar slash pickup patterns. What is a polar pattern? Uh, sometimes called the directionality of a microphone. And this is the language that we use to describe where the microphone accepts and rejects sound in relation to the pickup element, the diaphragm that we looked at earlier. Yeah, so there are a few main types that we get into. Omnidirectional mics, cardioid, supercardioid, shotgun slash low bar mics, and figure eights. We're gonna get into all these in just a sec, hang tight. All right, so omnidirectional mics, they pick up sound equally from all over in relation to the diaphragm. Uh, this is good for recording audio you can't or don't want to uh, control well, like ambience or on the street interviews. Uh, and this is not great if you want to isolate sound. Uh, the RE50, I should have put a picture of it here, but it's what you'd see on any nightly newscast. Um, pretty classic broadcast mic. That's an omnidirectional dynamic mic. And also many lavalier mics, the kinds you clip to your collar, those are also omnidirectionals. All right, so this is a diagram. It'll make more sense in context with the other diagrams we'll look at in a sec, but this is just showing you that in 360 degrees, um, you know, full sphere around the element, you're picking up the same, same level of sound. All right, cardioid mics. These are directional mics. Uh, they pick up sound from the front and sides and reject sound from the back. I imagine the mic I'm holding right now uh, as I flipped it around, my sound was, was not picked up. Uh, cardioids are really good all-purpose mics. If you're gonna invest in one mic, a cardioid is a good choice. So here you can see a diagram. This shows where it picks up sound in relation to the element, which we're talking about would be in the very center of that diagram. You can see that behind the mic, we're, we're rejecting sound and we're picking it up from the front and the sides. All right, supercardioid mics, these are also directional. Um, they have a tighter pickup in the front and some pickup in the back, not too, too much. And these are also good all-purpose microphones. Um, they're directional like a cardioid mic and they're also more forgiving than a lot of shotgun low bar microphones. But some shotgun mics are supercardioid, so do your homework and, and uh, check what you're buying. So here you can see this is a little tighter pickup pattern than the cardioid, um, and there's also some pickup from the, from the back of the element. All right, and I throw this on there. Uh, sometimes these words are used interchangeably, and for all functional purposes, um, they're very similar, but they're not technically the same. A hypercardioid versus a supercardioid. Uh, similar pickup patterns, just more picking up in the rear on the hypercardioid. All right, real quick. Got two microphones here. One is a cardioid, one is a supercardioid. They look very different. Nah. Um, so these will all be, all be labeled. There will be a diagram indicating the pickup pattern or it'll say. You can also just Google 
whatever you're looking at. All right, low bar mics. Uh, these are also called unidirectional, and you only see these in shotgun microphones. This right here is, the, is what we're talking about with shotgun mic. You can see it's a lot, it's longer and it's got a, um, the element has picks up from the sides here. Well, it looks like it does, but in fact, the way the coil is wound, we'll look at the diagram in a sec. These have very tight pickup focus and they're not very forgiving. So yeah, you can see if the element is right in the middle there, it's picking up really like a laser focus um, one direction. It picks up from the back as well. Um, but this is really if you want to be far away from a subject and record them. All right, figure eight. Uh, these are also called bi-directional microphones. These pick up sound equally from two sides and reject from the other sides. Um, it can be tempting to use them for two-person interviews. I really don't recommend that, though. Uh, if you're going to do any sort of post-production work, people have different levels and um, frequencies in their voices. Uh, but you'll see a lot, of, a lot of desktop mics are like this. I think the Yeti, the Blue Yeti can do that, and AKG has some. Yeah, and this is a, a diagram of that. You can see it picks up equally from two sides and not the other sides. All right, uh, any questions so far about these different types of polarities or dynamic versus condensers? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, the question was, why would I not recommend um, a bi-directional mic for an interview, a two-person interview? Um, that's because if you're using one microphone to pick up two people, um, you're getting one channel or one track after the fact. It does not record two separate tracks, and I would strongly recommend uh, getting each person who's speaking on their own track. Yeah. Cool, yeah? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> I haven't come across a good use for them, but you know, you tell me if you find something. Okay. Yeah. So, can you touch on what's the front of the mic? Because sometimes the mics are standing up and your elements this way, and sometimes you're actually in front of the Yeah, that's a good question. The question is, how do you tell the front of the mic? Some of them sit up like this. Some of them you point. Um, I, just refer to any documentation that the mic may or may not have come with, you can find it online, I'm sure, and you'll get a good, a good sense of, um, of what's going on there. Cool, all right, we'll have time for more questions in a bit, but I have a question for you. Uh, how does being aware of these different pickup patterns that we talked about, how does that impact where we place microphones when we interview people? Hmm? Yeah, yeah, t tell me, t get into the weeds there. Yeah, awesome. So, so you know, the, the noise of the environment, where the person is situated, um, that all impacts where we place the microphones. Uh, and we'll get a little more into that in a sec. <laughs> all right. 
fun little quiz. So which mic should I use? I'm going to throw out some scenarios, and uh, I want you to tell me which mic I should be using. All right, I'm going to be in a remote forest to capture bird sounds, and the birds live really high, high up in the trees. Someone said shotgun. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I'd use a, a low bar mic that could like reject all the rest of the forest. All right, I'm going to be in Times Square interviewing people on the street and capturing some ambience. Pardon? Yeah, I'd say an, I'd say an omnidirectional, um, so you can get the ambience. Uh, cardioid is not a bad bet either. All right, I'm going to be in a library that has a thick carpet and is full of books. So I think this is a very controlled, quiet environment. Yeah, condenser, yeah. All right, construction workers at a job site. Pardon? Yeah, maybe a shotgun. Um, I was thinking a cardioid because it, it completely rejects the back and maybe you could say like, let's keep the jackhammers over here and I'll interview you here. I'll be interviewing people at an anti-vax rally. Yeah, I mean, you all do you, but I'd, I'd want a shotgun, I'd want to. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to be interviewing a teacher in their classroom while all their students are at recess in the yard that's right outside the window. Yeah, why do you say cardioid? Yeah, that's, that's cool. You'd want to focus on the voice, but maybe get a little sound of the kids. I think it would be pretty hard to avoid all sound of the kids. Um, but to that end, say you wanted to minimize the sound of recess outside. Would you use a condenser or dynamic mic? Yeah, dynamic mic. Nice. Oh, we're cruising. All right, so here's a question. So how can you think about which microphone you choose as an artistic choice? So to match the look of your video, can you say more about that? Yeah, do you want a shotgun mic out of the shot or you leave a super motel? Can you put a 7B in front of them on a stand? Like, what's the vibe? Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So you're like kind of like documentary thinking, so you know people are going to be interviewed. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you could, uh, how comfortable are you showing a mic? What kind of mic do you want to show on a video? Yeah, that's a great one. Yeah? Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Um, so if, you, if you're doing something that's going to have layered music, you want a really clean sound. And if you're doing something that's at an environment like a coffee shop, you'd want to allow that in. And that's kind of what I wanted to drive at here is thinking about how much of the scene do you want to capture when you're capturing the voice as well. Um, 
you know, whether that's construction work in the background or ambience at a coffee shop or, or outside. Um, and I, I really appreciate what you said about um, what you want to show on video as well. All right, we're going to dive into some best practices, tips, and tricks. All right, we're going to talk for a sec about mic access. So, all right, so hold out your hand in front of your mouth like this and try saying the following words that are written up there. This must be what it feels like to start a cult, you know? <laughs> Yeah. All right. What did you notice? All right. Awesome. Yeah. Plosive. So some of those sounds, the, the, the air from your mouth really hits your, really hits your hand. And these are plosives. They're hard consonants. Uh, they propel air forward. P, B, T, K, D, and G are the big ones. Um, there's also, we didn't get into sibilance, but you can, that's like their S's sounds can get picked up. Yeah, and this is what that looks like. This is the P sound. Uh, you can see the waveform moving along and somebody says, my name, Patrick, and that's, that's what happens as the wave spikes. Yeah, so when you're listening back, this can cause some really harsh or startling sounds. Um, and worst case scenario, that can clip the audio that's being recorded. If you're recording and you just get like some harsh sounds, you can compress that after the fact and live your life. But if you actually clip the audio, um, that's no good. No one wants to listen to that. So how do we avoid capturing these sounds? Everyone, you can't say don't use the letter P, um, but you can, you can remember your pickup patterns. All right, so you can see this little guy, um, he's in front of the mic, and this is no good because he's going to say his name is Patrick, and he's going to say the letter P, and it's going to crash right into the diaphragm. Ah, there we go. But we hold it slightly off axis, and I can say my name is Patrick, you heard the P, but the sound went right out my mouth and not directly into the diaphragm. So this is where it's important to remember what your pickup pattern is. Um, yeah, and so when we mic like this, that's uh, what's referred to as micing off axis. Generally speaking, um, that's 20 to 45 degrees, uh, but that depends on the mic and the pickup pattern. And like I said, you know, those diagrams that I showed you, each, each mic you buy, um, or if you look it up online, you can find that specific diagram. And you'll see sometimes it'll be like frequencies, you know, 4,000 hertz to 20,000, this is the pattern, and like, you know, 20 to 4,000, is this is a different pattern. So it's good to get this information in your head and really experiment uh, and figure out what works best for you and what works best for your mic. All right, reflection and sound dampening. So hard surfaces reflect sound waves. I don't know if you can hear, but when I'm speaking, 
There's a little reverberation, maybe off the roof, maybe the walls. If you've ever been in like a cathedral or, or something, you, you know, you, you speak and there's like all that reverb. So, and this can cause weird phase issues. Um, and what winds up happening or what can wind up happening is if I am speaking into this microphone, it's picking up the words I say. And if those words are also reverberating around the room and getting picked up again, that causes, um, you know, just like this weird distortion. I'll play an example in a sec. Uh, can we have that audio file? All right, um, just listen to I Am The Walrus by The Beatles. Like, that's, that's what they're doing on the, on the vocals there. Um, but yeah, this, that, that's, what, that's what phasing uh, sounds like. And I wanted, to, I wanted to play this example because it came from a real recording I did. I was in uh, an industrial kitchen with someone and, you know, there was like a big uh, aluminum table and these like hard walls and I was using my trusty omnidirectional mic, which I love dearly, um, and because I was using an omni mic, it picked up sound equally, both from his voice and from the reverberations off the table and the walls. Um, yeah, so I mean, and that's, that speaks to remembering your polar patterns when you're positioning people indoors and with hard surfaces. Um, if it's possible, you can get them into a dead room that has lots of carpets and curtains and books. Um, all those things will absorb sound vibrations pretty well. Oh, dang. Um, let me go back. There we go. Um, and yeah, so, so just like thinking about, thinking about the um, reflections of the, of the sound waves, if you are in a large room with lots of hard surfaces, a gymnasium or something, what are some things you can do to minimize those reflections? If you say you have a, a cardioid microphone and you're in a large room that is reverberating sound. Yeah, why, why would you say that? Exactly. Would you would you position the person you're interviewing in the corner, or would you be in the corner? Yeah, exactly. So if you imagine you have a cardioid mic and you're rejecting sound from behind you, and they're projecting out, that's a good way to minimize um, those reflections. 
Cool. All right, we cruise through this, so I have lots of time for questions. Yeah. Yeah, so the question is, uh, can you hear that sort of bouncing around and like in that industrial kitchen example, is that something you could hear in your micro in your headphones? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I think it's possible. I did not. I had some crappy earbuds, um, but I think it's possible. I think it's more likely, though, that you're just going to pick that up in a recording and figure it out after the fact. Because remember, even when you have headphones on, if you're engaged, like making eye contact with someone, you're hearing what they're saying and what they're speaking to you uh, through the headphones as well. Um, yeah, so def definitely worth checking it out. So when you're in the field and you're recording and you want both ambient and the speaker or the interview, any, uh, what tips or tricks do you have for mixing microphone types and using you know, a multi-track recorder? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so you're talking about, I'm going to interview somebody and pick up the environment they're in. Yeah. Um, a couple of things. So I'm a huge fan of this guy. Um, this is a old Zoom H1. Um, I love it because, well, what I like to do actually is, is like if I'm going up to approach someone, like, you know, this is like the sound of, uh, you can hear my hands all over it, you can hear the wind through it, and it's very much like a, um, I think of it like a handheld camera situation, and then you get up to somebody and you have, you know, the nice mic that's picking it all up. Uh, but you're talking actually about like mixing two different sources, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would recommend um, getting, you know, your highest quality conversation with them and then getting like a couple minutes of ambient sound uh, with a mic that's better suited for that. Um, does that make sense? And then you can mix it in after the fact. If you've ever done a tape sync for someone, like that's what they'll have you do. They'll, they'll you know, record this interview with high, highest quality inter um, audio possible and then like get some ambient sound they can mix in. Yeah. Um, yeah, mine's a little bit different. Uh, we do all remote interviews for ours, and so I do a pre-interview where I'm like, let's get some headphones on you, and that's usually as good as I can come up with. So I guess one is if you have a better idea than that. Two is for those instances where day of, everything falls apart there, and we're left recording like through a laptop or anything. Is there a way to do that any better than as terrible as it sounds normally? Um, so... So, so, put it, so for first question, putting headphones on them, uh, that's a great move because that minimizes uh, possible feedback or digital reflections. I don't know if you'd call it that, but yeah, that's a great move. Um, and then getting better. Actually, one thing I will say through um, experience we did during the pandemic, we did a bunch of StoryCorps interviews virtually, and we found that uh, Bluetooth headphones, there's like already some compression built into that, and so that really kills the quality of audio before it even has a chance to sound good. Um, so wired headphones um, and wired microphones was, work, was what worked best. And then the worst, best the way to get best audio through a laptop, um, yeah, it's tough. 
it, like uh, it, in post-production, you can't like bring out frequencies that were never there to begin with. Um, what I will say is that there are a number of uh, virtual recording platforms that exist now. I know Zencaster and Riverside um, that will allow you to record directly to uh, into someone's browser, and then it'll upload it after the fact. And that's really cool because that is uncompressed audio, and so far that's been the best thing. Dur for during the pandemic, I was I called it the StoryCorps Fulfillment Center. I had like a, um, a garage full of boxes and I was FedExing mics to people every day. Um, that's, I'm sorry, that's the best I got. All right. Thank you. Thanks for the run. Um, I'll share something that is not my solution to the question that was just asked, but we learned yesterday from Dallas Taylor. Um, and uh, in those situations, because they ran into this a few times, the uh, you can make your voice memo app on your iPhone be lossless in the settings menu. And then they would have people actually hold it up and speak at do the interview still on Zoom, um, but actually record it locally here, and then they had that file sent to them. That's super cool. Thanks. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know that it could be a non-compressed uh, voice memo, at least on the iPhone. <laughs> okay. Then I have another question for you. Um, in some situations, you want to actually hear the interviewer at the same time as the interviewee out in the field. Um, you know, it. Other than the, I'm just going to move my mic back and forth. What other kind of solutions have you found that are good for that? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I mean, similar to like what I said about the figure eight mics. Um, the reason not to use those is because everything winds up on the same track. So if you are passing the mic back and forth. You can do that, but you're still going to get one track of audio. Uh, so I would recommend if you can get two different microphones, um, and then you know, remember your pickup patterns and say like, I'm going to keep you here. I'm going to stand here so that I'm not going to bleed onto your mic and you're not going to bleed onto mine. Yeah. Question here. Um, so what is the average distance for mics for pickup? Like if I put it here, it doesn't do it. But if I get really, really close, it'll screw it up. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a good question. The average distance you want to keep your mic. Um, I tell people a fist distance. That's what we do for StoryCorps. Um, but, you know, also that also depends on what you want. Do you want this to be like I'm in the field uh, and this is a field recording? Because that's something really cool you can do with just one mic is um, you know, for your voiceovers, you have it nice up here. And then when you're out interviewing people on the street, you keep it a little further away. And that's like very much puts the listener in the environment you're in. Wouldn't you say though, in general, cardioid, you're gonna want it, that fist. But when you get into condensers and, I mean, this is what you want on a lot of condensers. Otherwise you are overdriving the microphone, fair? Was that a, what was the question? Well, you were just saying a fist. You're not going to put a shotgun a fist away. It depends on the style, correct? 
Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so like the shotgun I have there is a super cardioid mic. Uh, but if I was using a low bar mic, like those like super directional ones, um, then I would want, I would, I would be using that because I'd be further away. But generally speaking, um, I would want to stay away from a low bar mic for most interviews, uh, just because if somebody, you know, looks or points somewhere else, you, they're really going to be off axis to the point where you're not going to pick up any audio. Um, so yeah, I'd, I'd aim for cardioids or super cardioids. Yeah, can you uh, just elaborate a little bit more about when you were talking about how you were dealing with your remote interviews with StoryCorps, a little bit more about that because most of the interviews I do are that kind of, just like he was saying, it's, it's so frustrating. And you mentioned Zencaster, and also I was very curious about her solution there about where were you holding the phone, <laughs> how far away? <laughs> they were like, okay, just podcasting. I do video as well, so I was just curious. Yeah, that's a good question uh, about remote interviews. Um, yeah, so StoryCorps actually wound up rolling our own platform of, like, we call it Zoom for oral histories, and it's like a video audio thing, and it just it packages everything for the Library of Congress, but it's not great audio quality. But when we were doing things, um, remote recordings for our production department, the stuff you hear on NPR and the podcast, um, we were actually shipping out kits and then uh, I made like tutorial videos and very simple manuals and people were self-recording. Um, and then we would do the recordings, like there would be Zoom or whatever fired up. And then we would get, you know, the, the uncompressed wave files back. But it was definitely, you know, it was a whole show to get people to set these up and then transfer files and all that. Um, yeah. Thanks. Uh, just following on from that question, what sort of microphones did you use for those remote recordings for interviews? Yeah, so this was a, this was a funny problem to solve. We were looking, um, trying to figure out like what is the best quality audio that we can get while also being okay if it never came back. Um, so I'm blanking, I'm blanking on the exact model, but it was a Shure microphone. Um, that was like geared towards podcasters and it ran like 200 bucks and um, yeah, surprisingly like over 100 recordings, like we only lost one, so that was really exciting. Um, but yeah, you know, it was, just, it was just figuring out what, what can we work with and be okay with losing. What's your uh, go-to host, host mic? Go to host mic? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, I feel I feel kind of um, lucky. I get to use some Neumanns. Uh, I want to say TLM 107s. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of of you know the classic SM7Bs. Uh, if as long as you have a good cloud lifter going on, um, some clean gain. Those are actually those are dynamic mics. So those are really great if you have um, you know hosts that are all over the shop. Um, yeah, big fan of those. And it looks super cool too. What was that Neumann? I want to say it's a TLM 107. Yeah. 
We also use, we use KMS 105s a good deal as well. Those are nice. Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, it's just like, it's like there's a lot of, the question is why is it so good? Um, I would say there's a lot of engineering that goes into uh, the, the design and building of it. It has a really warm um, frequency response. It sounds nice to listen back to. Um, but I guess, you know, that's, that's a question I could, I could turn back to you. You might not like the sound of it and you might, you know, prefer something completely different. So, yeah. All right. Is that it? Solid. Thanks so much, folks. Oh, I do, I do have a bunch of mics here. If you want to like set up shop outside, you can fiddle with them and see what they all different, see what they sound like. So come find me.